You're listening to Special Relationships, a show about monetizing and maximizing your existing client relationships. Visit relationshipaudits.com for more information or contact details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there and welcome to episode one of Special Relationships, the podcast about how to monetize your existing clients and customers. I'm Keith Smith, or as my podcast listeners know me, I'm a Smith called Keith. And if you know my podcast, you'll know it's all about the subject of new business and business development. It's important for companies to focus on it these days. And if your eyes on the bottom line, the next 20 minutes and the subsequent shows in this series are really going to interest you because we're going to discuss how to maximize the value of the relationships you already have. And at the end of this program, we're going to give you three valuable actions that you can implement for your business to help you measure, manage, and maximize your business relationships. Depending on what report you read, it can cost you anything between 3 to 5, 15, sometimes even 20 times as much to acquire a new client as it does to retain an existing one. And this is the vital difference between new business and business development. When the economy flatlines or slows down, it's more important than ever to make sure that you offer and get the best value possible from your existing clients. And this is what we're going to look into. Not new business, but business development. And to help me with this, I'm speaking to Kerry Evans and Simon Rintut, whose agency Relationship Audits specialises in helping companies deliver maximum service to their customers and also experience the karma of those clients passing back additional revenue. Kerry, Simon, hello there. Hi, Keith. Hi there. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on the show. Um, now, just in more scientific terms than I've kind of provided, I mean, can you just explain the difference between new business and business development? I mean, simplistically put, new business is knocking on doors with a very large fist to get entry, whereas um, business development is talking nicely to the people you already know and essentially developing business from them through what you do for them and them wanting to work with you even more than they currently do. And it's, you know, all the theory, all the kind of business development theory says that it's much easier you know, and depending on who you listen to, 10 times, 20 times, whatever, it's much easier to develop business from existing clients than it is to get brand new clients into the into the agency or into the into the office. So typically, Simon, what are the kind of common client issues that you experience and, and the problems that you generally as a company help to solve? 
Well, I think it's important to look at the context of this because the pace of change in business, the, cha the changing and challenging global environment, um, more of our clients want an objective view of the real state of their client relationships. You know, often that we find in business, there's a difference between perception and reality, perception of how a service provider thinks they're doing versus the actual client reality. So essentially, most of our clients come to us and ask for an independent assessment of the real state of their client relationships. You know, um, senior management are accountable for business performance, but can't always be close to the day-to-day -day client relationships. In fact, I remember recently uh, we were hired five minutes into a new business presentation and we asked the chief executive why they'd hired us so quickly. And he told the story of how he was frustrated that whilst he'd had weekly meetings with his team and he was regularly told that everything was fine, but there'd been too many clients deciding to put their work out to tender, which he wasn't aware of and until it was too late. I think his view was that either his team weren't aware of the issues or they weren't being transparent with him with the issues or the team didn't think they were actually issues in the first place and they'd go away. The reality was he wanted to cut through what we call middle management permafrost so he could have early warning of potential issues and take action on those problems before it was too late. But also what we do is not just about problems, it's about capitalising on opportunities and spotting um, new business streams. I think a lot of our clients come to us wanting to benchmark their performance against the industry averages to highlight best practice and really to find out where they are today, but also figure out how they can work in the future. I suppose as one client told us uh, recently, he said, working with you guys helps me sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, so, so Kerry, I mean, how can having an audit like the ones that you you kind of do, how can it benefit companies? What what types of opportunities does that help to open up? Yeah, one of the interesting things is that a lot of clients we talk to, a lot of companies we talk to, who are the clients of the people who are employing us, um, we ask them, you know, does your provider, the service provider, ever ask you what your expectations of them are? It's it's an astonishing answer when you when you tot it all up. So Keith, have, do you have any idea what you think might be the number that people say my provider has never asked me what my expectations are? Well, I mean, a, any, any thoughts on that? That's a tough one. I, I'm going to guess maybe thirty percent, forty percent, something like that. Sixty-three percent. So let's think. So you're walking around, you're servicing a client, and you don't know what their expectations are. How on earth can you deliver top-notch service? How on earth can you put yourself in a position to build the business and to sort the problems out and to prevent the threat if you don't know what their expectations are. So that's just one example of what this thing does. It just opens up the relationship and tells you exactly where you are. And typically it also tells you exactly where you are with regard to your competitors with whom your client may already work. Simon? Yeah, if I may, I share with you uh, a recent story. Um, one of our clients um, had a major FMCG uh, company where the senior uh, marketing director uh, then left and joined another FMCG company that happened to be with the same agency. And we were called in after six months by that agency saying the relationship is in real, real trouble. 
we need you to independently go and talk to the client and find out what the issues were. And the issues were very, very simple, that the agency had assumed that the client's expectations would be exactly the same at um, his new company rather, rather than the old. And that was the primary reason why the relationship had fallen into uh, real trouble. And I think, again, I come back to the pace of business. I think it's wrong to actually assume the client's expectations of you. All those expectations will be exactly the same year on year. They're changing. Absolutely. I mean, the strategy changes dep depending on, you know, sort of the, the economic climate and stuff. But I mean, Simon, so I mean, why do you think that companies do spend so much? They, they spend so much time, put so much effort into new, new business and business. They, the business they have to win from scratch than they do for business that's potentially already sitting there. I mean, why does that happen? That's a really good question, Keith. Um, it's often down to attitude and culture where companies chase a long client list rather than focus on the depth of work with existing clients. You know, it can seem, it can seem strange that many service providers that we work with have 80% of their profit coming from just 20% of their client companies. If I may, let me give you an example. Just before COVID, not one of our clients, but we heard of, in this case, an advertising agency winning a very small piece of business and all the staff were invited to a party to actually celebrate the new business win. Great. Yet apparently, two days later, one of their key clients consolidated all of its business with the same agency. That additional income was massive, yet only, the only celebration was via an all-agency email. At the end of the day, I think we believe that winning business from an existing client is probably the best accolade you could ever get. Hmm. I mean, Kerry, does it take a different type of skill set? I mean, you know, is it is there a different skill set in in winning the business or working the business that you've already got than there is in winning new business? I think that the the, the critical skills in both really. Um, but as Simon says, the problem is that is that winning new business is is seen as more glamorous than getting more business from existing clients and. The, the real issue here is about uh, it's about listening skills. I think it's about being able to listen about what's being to what's being said, what's not being said. This is one of the skills that we approach when we, we use rather when we approach these kind of situations where we're collecting intelligence on relationships by deep dive interviews. So listening skills is about having an opening mind, not a closed mind that you are can always correct. It's about being flexible, it's about being nimble, and it's about being prepared to listen without interrupting. And, um, you know, that's that sounds bleeding obvious, right? But it's it, it, a lot of people can't do that. So if you're going to build a business from existing clients, you need to find out what are the pressure points for the clients that, that, that they are talking about. It's that conversation in the lift when you're going into a meeting, for example, uh, you know, how's your business? What's keeping you awake at night too? Um, and that's where you then can add value, particularly if you've got a an understanding of the client's business that allows you to bring in uh, experience of what you've done for other clients that can be reapplied to their business. That's an easy win. That's the thing that everybody really wants to be able. All clients want their service providers to say to add value by giving them a shortcut to success. And the shortcut to, su to success 
is by taking what you've done successfully for someone else and thinking about whether you can reapply it in a slightly different or amended form to that second client in order to give them a leg up. That's how you build the business. Because if you then make them feel really good within their organization and make them look good in their organization, including their boss, then you get even more opportunity to pitch for more business. So make the client look good, listen, and leverage learning from one client to another. When my son was seven years of age, he was asked at school, what does your dad do? And apparently he, t he told the teacher that he goes around the world talking to people. And at the time I thought, yeah, that's very, very good for a seven year old. But the more Carrie and I thought about it, actually, that's not what we do. We go around the world listening to people, listening to what they say, listening to how they say it and listening to what they don't say. And that gives you the complete picture. Is it possible to, to generate revenue from, from every relationship in the, in the business? I mean, is, is that what you do? I mean, is that, is that, well, that's, that's, that's certainly a tricky question. Certainly without question, regular independent audits, um, certainly extend many client relationships, um, for the longer term. And even if the relationship might be shaky, conducting an audit and acting on the outcome more often than not can buy you time to fix those issues. You know, as one client said to us, just just think about the cost to us of losing one key client and what the investment would be in terms of um, time, management time and indeed loss of morale in terms of replacing them. Um, over the years, we've perfected what we call our can opener questions, and we know that they regularly uncover um, not only issues, but importantly, new business and income streams. Certainly our data shows that um, where a service provider has been working with a client for more than 18 months, the services that are being offered by that service provider's competitors are better known than the current incumbent because service providers are not generally good at keeping their clients updated with their skill set, maybe their awards or company news. And remember, your clients are your competitors' new business targets. We gather intelligence on relationships in two ways. We either go and talk to the clients of our clients uh, or we use online assessments. And, and just focusing on the first one for a minute, what is really interesting is that both Simon and I over the years have had experiences where we've gone to see someone who is not in a good place in terms of the, a client of a particular provider, right? And the number of times that people had said to us, if only you'd come six months ago, this could be a completely different conversation. And that's what happens. Sometimes people in a service provider uh, organization just stick their head in the sand like an ostrich. They may think there might be a problem, but they don't really want to, you know, kind of lift the brick to see what might be under, underneath. So if you get the client talking, and you understand what the hot buttons are, and you understand what you need to do differently, and, 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 and. So in other words, if you engage in a conversation, you're likely to be able to understand what the pro particular problems are and to prevent them happening going forward. And as Simon has already said, if you can do that, you know, um, you can extend the life of that piece of business and the revenue stream so that you get a heck of a lot more. And for one of one of the people that we work with, one of the benefits they got from from employing us was that 
she was able on the basis of the intelligence we fed back to extend the relationship with this particular client by two years which delivered hundreds of thousands of, of pounds dollars call it what you will in revenue that she would not have had had we not gone as part of the intervention process can i just add a, a couple of points to that um i think i think firstly the dynamics in business have changed um that clients expect you to know about their business and to invest in terms of understanding how their business is actually changing and that very often when we conduct what we call deep dive one-on-one -on -one interviews we seek to get briefed by the service team before we speak to the client and i think it's fair to say um, certainly over the last few years in many occasions we're actually shocked by how, how little the service providers team know about the client's business i think the the other thing to say is there'll, there'll be people listening to this going well, um, we're on a fixed term contract, um, so the business has to be reviewed. I think uh, it's useful to point out that we work with particularly many law firms on the process of keeping uh, or rather having deep dive interviews six months out before the tender is actually reissued so that the incumbent actually knows if there are any issues, can fix the problems, and indeed, very often it gives us intelligence into how the retender is going to be framed. Yeah, it's almost like a health check, almost, isn't it? As as you're as, you're, as you're moving through the through, through the relationship. So, I mean, gents, I mean, what are the kind of key tips for for our listeners today? What what do you want them to learn from this episode? I think that number one, I would say, is don't assume. Um, so, if you're gonna if you've got a client who you value and whose business you value. Make sure you you ask them how you're doing, right? In other words, do this kind of exercise before it's done to you. That's the first thing, because that will help you measure where you are. Secondly, um, what you need to do is to think about why you're doing this. And you're doing this in order to secure the business. But as far as the client's concerned, what you're doing, why you're, the reason you're doing this is to see where you can improve and make their lives easier. So if that's the part about managing. So you measure, you manage, and then the way that you maximize the opportunity that you have with this client is really to act on the feedback and be seen to act on the feedback. Because the mistake that a lot of service providers make is that they will they will listen to parts of the of the feedback that they think they can do something with but they won't actually merchandise the fact that they've done it or they won't address those issues where they don't like the feedback so the point is embrace the feedback illustrate what you can do to address those and and also use that feedback to develop initiatives that allow you to leverage your learning with other organizations so measure manage and maximize the potential of your relationships I'm with Kerry. I think it's important to remember that this whole process is not just about looking for problems, it's looking for opportunities. And doing that, measure, manage and maximise. Kerry, Simon, thank you very much for your time. In our next show, we'll be looking at the value of nurturing client relationships in an uncertain environment and examining the difference between long-term commitment 
and transitory satisfaction. So join us then as Carey, Simon and I help you measure, manage and maximise the revenue you already own. Next time on Special Relationship. If you would like to explore and unlock any hidden growth for your business, you can contact Relationship Audits, info at relationshipaudits.com or you can find them on the web at relationshipaudits.com. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You're listening to Special Relationships, a show about monetizing and maximizing your existing client relationships. Visit relationshipaudits.com for more information or contact details.